Chapter 13. I press on towards the goal of the prize. Philippians 3.14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Have we ever read this and wondered what on earth is Paul referring to here? What prize is he talking about? I thought our salvation was a gift and now Paul talks about a prize. He even uses the word goal in reference to the prize of this upward call that is discovered in Christ Jesus. The prize awaits us all. Our justified state in Christ is a gift, and we receive this reality through God's grace. But there is also more than this that we are to discover and come into. And Paul describes this as a prize of the upward call of God in Christ. The entire content of Philippians chapter 3 is incredibly powerful and it is about Paul declaring to us the goal of life. Chapter 3 begins with Paul warning us to be aware of the false circumcision before leading us through the false security of his own past. What he now deems as essential to his relationship with Christ and his pursuit of God's higher calling for the church is found and discovered in our true knowing of Jesus. He declares that in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ in a true and real way, everything he once considered gain is now loss. He realizes that righteousness is not found in the law, but on the basis of faith in Christ. He goes on to say that he wants to know him and the power of his resurrection and to have fellowship with his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that he may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Being reconciled into a right relationship with the Father is awesome, but it is not the primary goal of our lives. If this was the case, then Paul wouldn't have written about this upward call of God in Christ that he is pursuing and pressing on in his relationship with God to receive. As followers of Jesus, how many goals do we set that are about our lives and what we want rather than about God's goal for us as his people? Paul says here that he presses on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God that is found in Christ Jesus. This prize is not found in earthly or temporal things, but in Christ, the eternal. The Bible clearly states that all things, that means everything, have been created by him, through him, and for him. This is why Paul says that he presses on. He is pressing on to discover all of the things that are contained in the Christ for the church. He is not limiting it to people being reconciled to a right relationship with the Father, but he wants to know and experience the fullness of the inheritance that is for all the saints who will press on to receive this inheritance. The question we all need to ask ourselves is what is this upward call of God in Christ Jesus and what is required to discover it and live from this truth. This was the pursuit of Paul's life because he was fully aware of the truth that Jesus spoke when he said that we, the church, have been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Granted to know the mysteries, Matthew 13, 11 and 12. Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. I think it would be fair to say that for many in the body of Christ, 
the mysteries that we have been granted to know and receive are still just that, mysteries. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 that eye has not seen and ear has not heard or not yet entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. In the very next verse, he says these incredible jaw-dropping words. For to us, God has revealed them, them being all the things God has prepared for those who love him through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Paul and the people Paul identifies as us are receiving the mysteries of the kingdom that Jesus said we have been granted to know. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. It doesn't get any better than this. It is these mysteries revealed in and to us that create so much life within us we live as overcomers inheriting all that is for us now and in the future. Let's continue to break this incredible passage of truth down piece by piece so we can gain sight of what Paul is referring to. Philippians 3, 12-21 Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, Join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly we await the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so they may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Wow, really? How can you be in so much life and still say that you have not yet obtained what you are pressing on for and have not yet become perfect? What is it that Paul hasn't already obtained and how does he relate it to becoming perfect? Paul is saying there is more to know, experience and come into in Christ and that he has not yet come into the power of the resurrection that he desires. I find this amazing considering the life the man was able to live out from his current revelation of these two realities in Christ. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. He desires to have fellowship with the Saviour's and Lord's sufferings so he can be conformed to his death. These three things go hand in hand towards our perfect maturity in Christ. 
Paul is saying, I have not yet become mature to the measure I desire. Jesus taught his disciples that they were to become perfect like their heavenly father is perfect. It is no different for us today. In other words, we are to become mature sons of God, just like the son, who is the ultimate example and demonstration of how a mature son lives. This is what Paul is referring to. How can we be ambassadors of God's kingdom if we are not mature? We won't be able to. All of creation waits for the sons of God to be revealed. Paul's heart, desire and passion was to press on and receive as his own all that Christ laid hold of him for. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The words forgetting what lies behind are powerful and life-changing. If our past still haunts us, or we try to live in what was, as some would say, the good old days, when God was doing this and God was doing that, we will get stuck and fail to reach forward to what lies ahead. I see this happening in the body of Christ today, where people are unable to move forward into a greater revelation of Christ because they are judging what they are hearing through an old filter, a wineskin that once was supple and fresh and able to receive the new wine, but now has become crusty, dry and brittle and unable to receive the new wine. Each revelation from the Father is to propel us forward into greater revelation of what is contained in the Son. We are to come into the posture of being discontently content. This means to be content with where we are at today while always pressing on for more in Him. The Bible says we don't yet know as we ought to know. And this indicates to me that there is much more for us all to come into in Christ than we currently have knowledge of. 1 Corinthians 8.2 If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. This requires us to have a teachable heart and an open mind to receive manna we have not yet tasted. This requires us to trust in God and others and be vulnerable before God and others. It requires us to be humble of spirit and be prepared to come under others and receive from them. This can be very hard for some to do as they live in fear of what if. The purpose of the revealed knowledge of Jesus we currently have is to propel us into more of him. This knowledge acts as a springboard which creates a spring in our step to want more. Don't look back. One of the major problems for the Israelites when Moses was leading them out of Egypt was that they were always looking over their shoulders and back to Egypt, thinking they were much better off there than what they were in the wilderness. Lot's wife was exactly the same. She looked back over her shoulder and she became a pillar of salt. By looking behind us, we too can be frozen in the past and find ourselves unable to reach forward to what lies ahead in Christ. We fail to lay hold of what He has laid hold of us for. We look for spiritual food from days gone by for today's fuel source, but find ourselves coming up empty. God warned the people not to store up today's manna for tomorrow, as tomorrow the food will be fresh and different. But did all of the people hear what he was saying? They listened, but did they hear? If we don't turn our hearts and heads forward, we will find ourselves in a state of limbo and eventually become lukewarm and stagnant.
This is not what the Father has for us as his children. Paul says he is reaching forward to what lies ahead. He is pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To reach forward, one must position oneself in a forward position. Jesus was always moving forward toward the cross because he knew the eternal sacrifice of his life that would create the way for his followers to enter into all that he had laid hold of for them. May we all be found forgetting what lies behind us and be found reaching for what lies ahead. This pressing on requires a heart that isn't prepared to settle, a heart that's tenacious, seeking, determined, perseverant, disciplined, and at its core says, I will do whatever it takes till I receive all he has for me. In Luke 14, 25-26, Jesus noticed the large crowds going along with him, and he turned and spoke these powerful words. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This language is very defining and powerful. Jesus is clearly making his attentions known and setting the kingdom standard of what following him really means and looks like in action. Only those who truly love Jesus can receive these words of life and live them out. This is not a crowd mentality, heart or posture, but the heart and mindset of a true disciple. Only those who are pressing in for more and laying hold of more find these words palatable and digestible. The going along mentality struggles with this reality and finds itself moving in the opposite direction to Christ. Unfortunately, many followers today are held in a form of fleshly bondage to these physical relationships with others, keeping them from being devoted in their relationship with Christ. As previously mentioned, we may have only incorporated Jesus into our lives rather than wholeheartedly surrendering our lives to him. The prize is revealed in Christ. This is what it means to seek his kingdom and his righteousness as our first place priority. The prize that Paul speaks of is connected to an upward call of God in Christ Jesus, his son. Do we notice where the prize is? In Christ. The prize is contained and concealed in the person. Hence, we must receive ongoing revelations of Jesus himself. Colossians 2, 2-3 That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. No wonder Paul teaches us in Colossians to set our minds on the things above where Christ is seated because this prize is in Christ and Christ is seated above. Once again, the scriptures go to great lengths to share with us that there are promises for us to come into in Christ that are concealed and hidden. Proverbs 25.2 It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Why is it God's glory to conceal a matter? Is he trying to conceal this from us, or is he concealing things for us to discover? The latter is the truth. God conceals himself and the greater dimension of truth within himself in the hope that his children will go looking for a greater knowledge of himself and his kingdom. This revelation ultimately creates a greater life within his children 
and empowers them to live a more abandoned life in him, bringing him glory. Notice Proverbs uses the word kings and not king. This is for all of us and not just for an individual who holds a title or a position of authority. In Christ, we're all called to be kings who seek out the fullness of the Father, his plans and his purposes, all of which he longs to see established in this world in and through his church. Kings consider an honor and a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to pursue more of God, and they know it is God's heart to reveal what is concealed. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-13 This is an incredibly powerful declaration of God's living word for all those who have ears to hear and a heart to go after and seek out what Paul has heard, seen and speaks of. Let's have a look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. God has given us his spirit, so we can know all the things freely given to us by God. Now this is an incredible reality. Notice how we don't earn the things or study the things, trying to learn them in our own ability. Just like we can't study or learn the Holy Spirit, but receive the Spirit. We receive the things He wants us to know. He gives them freely as we ask for them with a pure heart motive. These promises received in us create form and establish within our innermost being his life, building a powerful and indestructible life in Christ in us. This is the life that may be afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not despairing, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Just as this was Paul's living reality, it can also be ours if we will commit our lives to seeking out all that he has for us within Christ. If we imitate Paul as we are called to, we can know this reality. This is all part of coming into the prize Paul speaks of. Having the right attitude. Philippians 3, 15-21 Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will also reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that has even to subject all things to himself. Notice the attitude we are to have because of the maturity we are in. As many as are mature, this is what the word perfect means. We are to have the attitude of pressing on towards the goal. If we don't have this attitude, God will reveal it to us if we seek him earnestly with a pure heart. Paul says while others are still coming into this revealed position, we are to keep living to the same standard to which we have attained. This is the standard that Paul speaks of. It is the standard of the high calling God. It's not an earthly call, but a heavenly call. 
There is a standard of life that Jesus empowers us to come into, which enables us to demonstrate this life as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. This is essential, as people need to see and witness an example of the real thing, people who are modeling this new created life. Jesus was the perfect example. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Can we see the pattern that we are to follow? And are we in fact following it? Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Follow the pattern. Patterns are there to be followed. Paul uses the word us and not me. More and more disciples were obviously coming into this life and Paul was very keen to make mention of this. We don't make up a new pattern. We are to follow the pattern that has already been established by Christ and those who are mature in Christ. Today in the body of Christ, we see many trying to establish their own patterns and call this freedom in Christ. The pattern to follow was established before the foundations of the earth and must be able to hear and see it if we are to follow it. Failure to hear and see will have us creating our own pattern and this is not God's way. I suggest that this is the reason Paul shared this next verse as a warning to us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. In the first line, one can hear Paul's heart for those who are living like this. Paul says many walk like this, and he weeps for them. He says many are enemies of the cross of Christ. The challenge is we can be an enemy of the cross and never realize it. Although we have made a commitment to follow Christ and ask him to forgive us of our sin and iniquity, all mindsets that are still of earth can set themselves up as an enemy of the cross. This is why Paul means when he says, all those who set their minds on earthly things, those who are fixed on the temporal and not the eternal, which is where the mind of Christ is anchored and found. The mindset of Christ and the Antichrist mindset. Galatians shares how the flesh and the spirit are in opposition to one another, and the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. Just because we have prayed a prayer of reconciliation doesn't mean this won't apply to us. Jesus came to bring us his mind on everything that is in him. Do we have his mind when it comes to this prize? Paul is speaking of, if we are applying our minds to this, we can find ourselves in opposition to the cross. We can be rejecting, resisting, denying, deflecting, attacking or hiding from God's truth, while never really being aware we are doing this. There is a multitude of passages and proverbs that bring this to light when it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Hence Paul saying the end is destruction, whose God Little g is their appetite. Only when we set our minds on what's above can we live from the mind of Christ. A mind set on the earth only sees the temporal. A mind that only sees the temporal is a mind that is extremely limited and powerless, unable to cope when what it sees become all too much and overbearing. Jesus said, In this life you will have many trials and tribulations, but do not fear, for I have overcome this world. 
One whose mind is on the earth will get entangled in the trials and tribulations and more likely be overcome by these very tests. It's the ability to see the true life that we as the church are destined for that empowers one to overcome everything that is the flesh, the world and the enemy can throw at us. Paul said all these things were momentary like affliction and they were producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. We can only live like this if our mind is anchored and firmly fixed on the things above, the eternal realm, which is the unseen but seen realm. It is living from this place that gives our life the power to overcome all things we face. This is where the prize is discovered. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal.